1: again, everybody. My name is Mike Petralia. It's episode 212 of Patriots Beat on the CLNS Media Network, www.clnsmedia.com. Follow us on Twitter at CLNS Media and Facebook at facebook.com slash CLNS Media. This gives me great pleasure to introduce one of my cohorts down at Foxborough, down inside the uh, walls of Gillette Stadium. I have worked with this man uh, for many years now, and it's really, really been a treat. The Red Sox have their big smooth in Drew Pomerantz. The Patriots beat has their own version of the big smooth in the senator, Phil Perry of C.S. NNE.com, soon to be NBC Sports Boston, one of the smoothest, most unflappable guys on the beat, and a terrific reporter. How's that for an intro, Phil Perry? Wow, what an intro. big I'm going to just have everyone down there, uh, Bill Belichick included, just... Just start
0: referring to me as Big Smooth because I I like that. Yeah, and I don't
1: think you'd get any argument. I think Bill Bill would, you know, as he does, uh, crack a wry smile and nod his head and go, yeah, I think that works, Phil. You are the Big Smooth. Um, Now, I I, want to start off uh, – Talking to we we do the conference calls uh, every Tuesday. Uh, Phil obviously with Bill Belichick uh, and the coordinators, offensive coordinator uh, Josh McDaniels and defensive coordinator uh, Matt Patricia. Josh McDaniels on Tuesday was. <laughs> He struck a chord with me. Uh, he, there was a theme toward the end of it about uh, he was asked several times about what is this offense going to do with uh, at least two receivers for sure, pretty much out of the loop for uh, the indefinite foreseeable future uh, in Julian Edelman and Malcolm Mitchell and Danny Amendola, who was concussed we you know, presume with the head injury against the Chiefs on Thursday night. Uh, he's you know certainly going to be a big question mark this week what is the game plan? And Josh McDaniel said, we have a bucket. We have a bucket of options that we choose from, and we go into every week with this bucket. So what's in your bucket of stories this week, Phil?
0: Man, I just have so many questions about the bucket itself. Like, where do they keep the bucket? How big is the bucket? You know, how many play? how many... Please, exactly, Josh, fit into that bucket. It's a, you know what? It's, it's a good question, right, Travis Because right. everything changes, especially with Julian Edelman out. But now you have Malcolm Mitchell, like you said, gone. Danny Amendola, who's injured. We don't know what his status is going to be for this week. But imagine if you're Josh McDaniels or if you're Tom Brady and you're working all spring and summer with these guys. And you know, you know with both Mitchell and Amendola, those guys are going to be in and out maybe a little bit because you want to try to manage them. You know they've had significant injury histories. They're important to what you're going to try to do at the end of the year. So maybe they're not getting all the practice time, but you're still working very closely with those guys in meetings, behind the scenes, uh, building that rapport that you do every year. And then all of a sudden the rug is sort of ripped out from underneath you to a certain extent where you lose Edelman. Malcolm Mitchell's put on IR the first day of the year, and Danny Amendola can't really last more than three quarters uh, you know, it's almost like they, they rode him until the wheels fell off uh, using him as much as they did in that season opener. And so now what are you left with? And it's like, man, what did we do all spring and summer now? Like, you know, now we got to basically, you know, this isn't how they think they're not going to scrap their offense. It's still going to be the same right. offense. But in a lot of ways, in terms of the personnel, it's a completely different core. And so um, I think that makes life really difficult for both McDaniels and for Brady and so I think this is going to be a story not only for this week in terms of um you know putting points on the board on the road in New Orleans where you assume things like nonverbal communication are going to be really key and you know what is Tom Brady going to think uh when he looks out to his right and he sees Philip Dorsett the guy who's been in practices with the Patriots for about two weeks And, you know, they're in the red zone and they can't hear themselves think. Is he going to have any idea what that guy is about to do? I don't know. So uh, this is going to be something that I think we're going to have to continue to monitor for really, you know, not even just the first month of the season, which is always kind of an extension of the preseason, but maybe even the first six or seven weeks uh, because I think it could take that long before it really looks like this offense is is humming the way they want
1: it to. You know, my big concern, Phil, coming into the season – I. talked with your colleague, Tommy Curran, about this. My big concern is when Julian Edelman went down, what is Tom going to do on third and long? Third and six, third and seven. There was only really one big connection I saw Tom make uh, when the game was still uh, in doubt, and that was, it was third and ten and I think he connected with Rob Gronkowski over the middle uh, for, I don't know 12, 13 yards, something like that I'm I'm like, that's what they really need more of, but it's going to be a lot harder when you have a lot of safeties Eric Berry did a great job in in the opener against Gronk. You're going to have Gronk with even more attention Paid to him, it's going to be harder for Brady because uh, he is going to have to depend on guys like Dorsett and Brandon Cooks to pick up the offense quickly. I guess question for you, uh, Phil: How do they go about getting Brandon Cooks more involved?
0: You know what? I thought they they did a decent job of it the other night. Trag, um, you know, he was matched up with Terrence Mitchell, who was overmatched uh, really throughout the course of the game and. There were a couple of plays there to be made that um, that weren't made that could have made Cooks's night even bigger. He drew he overthrew so many once. defensive holes. Yeah. He did, yeah. So Brady missed him um, on a deep ball late in the game. Cook right. dropped a pass. There was another pass over by the sidelines that, that's hard for me to call a drop late in the game. It was, I think it was third and ten. Um, and he was about a yard short of the sticks, but you know, had to go up and get it, come down, beaten bounds. Uh, there there's a lot of contact in the play. That one ends up falling incomplete, too. Um, so I think his night could have looked even better on paper, but he did a really good job in terms of drawing penalties on that Kansas City defense. And that looked to me like part of the game plan that Kansas City came in with. They almost took a Seahawks type of approach to that game, saying to themselves, Listen, we're going to beat them up all over the field. We don't care if we get called for a couple defensive holding penalties here or there, pass interference, that's fine. They're not going to call it every single snap. Remember Richard Sherman, I think it was, who, who said it a couple of years ago, you can't you can't call pass interference every play. You can't call holding every play. So there are a lot of plays they got away with. I thought Chris Hogan got held a couple times. I thought Bronx got held a couple times. um and so Cooks did a good job of, sorting, of sort of fighting through that contact and still picking up some of those flags. The seed is apparent, um, and that's going to be, it looks like, his role. Like, what, what's too bad for the Patriots in some ways is that where they have this real need in the middle of the field for that element slash amandola kind of role, it doesn't look like that's where he's going to be much, if at all. Uh, for the Patriots, he has to line up in the in the slot on occasion, but I think he's still going to be, you know, kind of a field stretcher, even if he's he's in tight to the formation um, in that sense. So uh, there's not many guys who can run with him, and if you are in single coverage with post safety, you know, just a right. single high free safety in the middle of the field, uh, Tom Brady's going to be looking to him and looking to him really frequently, I think, and so. Um, you know, three catches, I believe it was, for 80-something yards in the opener. I, I would expect um, as long as teams are playing him straight up and you're not getting all those holding penalties, you're going to see those numbers a lot of weeks uh, be even more than that because the speed is just too great and he's a threat. Even if they are lacking some weapons in the middle of the field, what he does on the outside, you know, works in a vacuum really in a lot of ways and so
1: i I think he's going to continue to be kind of a go-to guy for break i'm going to read you some numbers here phil 27 of 30 numbers i know you do and i I know you also love film work but we're going to get to that uh, a little bit later uh but i'm going to read you some numbers here 27 of 32 346 yards three touchdowns no interceptions a 143 quarterback rating do you know whose numbers those were it sounds like Alex Smith, the great Alex Smith, future Hall of Famer Alex Smith. No, actually, right? it, it, they are not. They very well could have been, given uh, how Alex Smith really chopped up uh, the Patriots' defense. Those Trax, are the num- to be honest with you. I stopped. I stopped listening after you said uh, like three touchdowns or whatever. <laughs> so, so that's on me. <laughs> so that's quite all right. Uh, a lot of people tune me out. You are not the first, <laughs> and you are certainly not going to be the last. But who those- was that, Trax? Who was that man? That those would be the numbers of one Sam Bradford against the New Orleans Saints uh, secondary against the New Orleans Saints Dennis Allen defense on Monday night football and i tweeted this that? and i tweeted it out last night if sam bradford can do that and granted it was the home opener for minnesota it was randy moss getting his number retired and all of that up in minnesota but if sam bradford can do that <laughs> i would think tom brady could easily Reach 450 yards, and he had to be salivating watching the film of the Saints secondary. No, that defense is a mess yet again. <laughs> I mean, yes, play, you're,
0: you're a broken record if you're ever commenting on the what New Orleans has on that side of the ball. You know, year after year, because it it feels like they have been in an absolute rut uh for the last however many years, and they did nothing to fix that reputation on Monday night. If you just had Broken coverages all over the field. Stefan Diggs wide open touchdown. I mean, he, their number one receiver. Uh, you know, really physically talented guy. Somebody that really should not be creeping up on anyone. And when you have a safety and a corner or a linebacker in a corner, just kind of looking at each other as he runs by you into the end zone, um, wide open. That's an issue. And so they they've got a lot of new pieces on that defense. They have a lot of young players on that defense. Uh, we know they drafted the corner. Marshawn Lattimore out of uh, Ohio State, right? Yep, yep. Last year, so um, you know, Alex Inzalone is a linebacker from Florida. He's a really talented guy and somebody who I thought the Patriots might have been interested in because he gives them um, you know some size and some speed at the linebacker level. But he's still a rookie, and so they have all these guys that are coming together and trying to figure out the communication. I mean, just going back to that that Thursday night game, Traggs. I mean, you saw it with the Patriots, and how many guys? You know, yes, Do they have some new pieces, of course, but Dante Hightower, Patrick Chung, Devin McCourty, Alan Branch, these guys have played countless numbers of snaps with each other, and they were still having trouble with the communication in Week 1. Imagine what the thing looks like when you're running a bunch of new guys, the rookies out there. Um, they had a lot of issues, and I don't expect those issues to get fixed in a week. I, I don't know how they could, so you're right. right. You know, This should be a big day for the Patriots offense. should be a big day for Tom Brady. I think Tragg they are going to be able to do kind of whatever they want. If they want to throw, it, they should be able to throw. It. If they want to run it, they want to use those backs. Uh, you know, Mike Gillisley, Rex Burkhead, guys that Bill Belichick said recently—you know—have explosive playmaking play ability. Um, they should be able to do it. The one real threat on that side of the ball for the Saints is Cam Jordan, Jordan, their defensive yeah. end. But if you can, you know, if you can sort of neutralize that by running away from him or making sure there's always help wherever he is uh, in passing situations, he should be
1: fine. Jordan and Kenny Vaccaro, veterans, strong safety, only the really the only two recognizable names on that defense capable of making any noise. And I just expect Tom Brady would carve up this secondary. I'll tell you what, if he doesn't wind up with three to four touchdowns and the Patriots putting up, I'd say north of 30 points, I'd say there's a problem. Fantasy football fans, football is back, which means FanDuel is back. Fantasy football, FanDuel means fantasy football for everyday fans, new contests starting every week, no busted seasons, and something for everyone, lots of contests to choose from starting at just $1. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score real time. Over two and a half million players have won a cash prize playing fantasy sports on FanDuel. Sign up today, go to FanDuel.com, click the Join Now button, and use my code PATRIOTSBEAT. Try FanDuel for free with no deposit required. Visit FanDuel.com to claim your free contest and play for a share of $10,000. Just sign up using the promo code PATRIOTSBEAT. That's FanDuel.com, promo code PATRIOTSBEAT, void where prohibited. We're talking with the one and only Phil A. Perry, as he is known on Twitter. His full name P h i l a p e r r y. If you're following him on Twitter, if you should be, if you're if you are not, where have you been? But uh, anyway, Phil Perry does a masterful job, and I mean that, uh, covering the Patriots, uh, breaking down film for CSNNE.com. And I'm so grateful you guys are moving towards. NBC Sports Boston, (laughs) because it's going to be a lot easier to say. I don't know about you. You and me both. uh, (laughs) You and me both, my
0: friend. Yeah, it doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. CSNNN. Yeah, there's plenty of people that work in our building that still have trouble saying a trick.
1: Yeah, but I give Mike Giardi shit all the time. So he knows full well that if he's listening to this podcast, he knows what I'm talking about. I love busting his balls. So I digress a little bit. Phil, the senator, um, we're going to that's get... okay. <laughs> uh, we're allowed to do that on uh, said yeah. podcast, the Patriots Beat podcast on CLNS Media. I want to talk about uh, the defense, and you know, we're talking uh, before the break, uh, and and before uh, we were talking before about how Tom Brady should really light up uh, this really porous Saints defense. The flip side of that, of course, is the Saints are going to be playing at home, their home opener, and the Patriots have problems shutting down big plays on the opposing offense. And, you know, in years past, the Patriots have done a masterful job of following the Bill Belichick credo, GTFB, and we know what that means. Um, Right. In the preseason and in the opener, not so much. And Matt Patricia has been asked ad nauseum about what are you going to do to fix the big play problems on defense. So, Phil, I ask you, what can they do to make some adjustments to get these guys in better positions and cut down the big plays? So I think there's a couple things you can do. And right off the bat, I
0: would say is
1: make sure that
0: the communication is on point. There were too many instances watching that Thursday night game, where you had players heads turned around, you know, defensive linemen looking at the linebackers, linebackers looking at the safeties, uh, you know, defensive ends on one side of the line of scrimmage shouting over to the to his counterpart that you know his end on the opposite end of the line. Way too much conversation right up until the moment the ball is snapped. That is far too late to be trying to figure out what you're doing in terms of how you're playing your front, what techniques you're in, what the coverage is going to be based on the look. Things need to be much, much crisper, much quicker. And so I think that's where you look first. you've got to make sure that everybody's on the same page. Now, how do you do that? Well, they have a couple of options. If Dante Hightower is healthy, which we don't know if he's going to be even available for this game, um, I think he would be a candidate to move back to the middle of the defense uh, because things just flow so much more smoothly through high tower just because he's done it before,
1: and, and, and you know what, Phil, to have that guy in the middle. I'm going to interrupt you. I think that's a great point, and I think one of the domino effects of losing as much pass rush as the Patriots have had or have seen uh, go out the door uh, on the edge of their defense. One of the domino effects of that is they've had to compensate by moving. Uh, Donta Hightower out to the edge where his natural exactly. position is in the middle of that defense. Yeah, and you know what? We've been talking all
0: summer about how Hightower would be a good candidate to help them on the edge when it, you know, it, it looked like they were really in desperate need of numbers and it still you know looks that way. Mm-hmm. It definitely looks that way when right. he went down the other night. But it, what he does in the middle is so important that if you don't have that shored up, Um, then everything, you know, around it can fall apart. And it's not to put it entirely on Kyle Van Noy because, uh, you know, he's still relatively new to the defense. A, he's relatively new to that off the ball linebacker position. It's a guy who spent most of his college career getting up the field, getting after quarterbacks, um, and is still trying to figure things out. He's still linked heavily on Hightower. Um, you know, he did when he got to the team last year, and he does to this day in terms of any time he has a question, that's the guy he's going to. And I think that was happening on the field track. You would see Hightower communicating with Van Noy, and then Van Noy having to be, um, you know, sort of the uh, the telephone tower in the middle trying to relay the message to everybody else. And it was just taking really long. And, and it did get better over the course um, of the game, and I thought in some respects. And then, you know, of course, they, they give up. His, you know, a bunch of big plays in in the fourth quarter that really kind of helped them. And so, you know, how good really did it get? Um, but especially early in that game the other night against the communication was tough. So if you can move Hightower back to the middle, that may solve some problems. Uh, maybe you can get David Harris back there in the middle and maybe he
1: takes on some of those responsibilities because that's something that he's much more comfortable with. Why didn't he play much more that much? Too. Why didn't he play that much? First of all, Were you shocked? I know I was when you saw Jordan Richards um, playing, starting the game. He forced the fumble, obviously.
0: Kareem Hunt's
1: uh, first career carry, he forced a fumble. Devin McCourty recovers, but it was remarkable to me how much Jordan Richards played, Jordan Richards played, and and David Harris really didn't. No? Yeah, I was very surprised because I thought Harris was going to see a lot of time
0: in the middle of the field. I think what it told us was just how little they trust Harris uh, in terms of coverage and how much they thought of the speed on the opposite side of the ball in Kansas City's offensive personnel. That was not a good game for for David Harris to uh, to be out there for. It was not a good game for Landon Roberts to be out there for. Those guys are not coverage players. Um, Roberts is a a pretty good athlete, though he's a smaller player. Uh, But even he was not somebody they wanted out there. They were using safeties as linebackers, and it's something they've done for a long time with Patrick Chung, we all know, but you saw Devin McCourty dropping into the box quite a bit. Deron Harmon played just about the whole game as their deep safety in the middle of the field. Uh, You saw Jordan Richards, again, there, you know, both as an off the ball linebacker and playing on the edge. And so when Kansas city runs this personnel out there where they'll have, uh, you know, three receivers, a tight end and a back, but the tight end is Travis Kelsey, who's, who's really a big receiver. And the back is Kareem Hunt, who, you know, coming, even coming out of the draft, um out of Toledo with somebody that you knew was going to be able to catch the football and who showed it pretty early in that game the other night. You know, you have five wide receivers essentially on the field. And so that's not a situation that they want David Harris to be in. Now I think it'll be different this week against the Saints. The Saints have three backs that they'll rotate in and out uh in and out of there. And Alvin Kamara is another one of these guys like Kareem Hunt uh who can catch the football and catch it really well. Mark Ingram will even give you some of that, but I think you'll see more of Harris. I, I think Harris could be almost a, a shadow player for Adrian Peterson. Like When Adrian Peterson comes in the game and the defense is given the uh, the opportunity to substitute, I think that's when the Patriots would bring in Harris and, and he'll be that you know uh, that guy to go against um, their big back. But even just having him in the middle of the defense, having somebody with some experience, having somebody with, with the clout that David Harris has, clout that Kyle Vannoy really doesn't have, um, quote that Jordan Richard certainly doesn't have to have that guy, whether Ty Tower or Harris in the middle of the field, barking out orders to these players that are in front of him and behind him means a lot because there's no conversation. You know, and sometimes Gerard Mayo has talked to us about this um, right. on QuickSight. Sometimes you just need somebody to put his foot down and say, listen, this is what we're doing. I'll take the heat. If the call is wrong, I'll take the heat. It's okay. But we all have to be, even if it's the wrong call, we all have to be on the same page. something Bill Belichick has said many times. You can all be doing the wrong thing as long as you're doing the wrong thing together. That's better than having two guys doing the right thing and three guys doing the wrong thing because then you're all out of sorts and you don't have certain areas of the field covered, and that's when you get gashed for big plays. I think Harris is the kind of voice who, if in the middle of the field, would carry that weight. And he could really be that decision-maker when it gets to, you know, quote-unquote nut-cutting time, and you have to say, listen, guys, this is what we're doing. So I think we'll see more of him this weekend.
1: Anytime I hear a player, Phil, say, I'm going to take charge. If the play call is wrong, blame it on me, I think of only one instance, and I cringe. And you know which instance this is, and he's talked about it. Patrick Chung. No, I'm not going to go even further back. A football life. Remember Rodney Harrison? Yeah. Remember when he said that if he had one decision to make over again at the end of Super Bowl 42, he would have not called cover zero. He would have gotten back. He would have gone against what um, was being called on the field, and um, you know I think if that were the case, I think they would have had better coverage. I think they win the Super Bowl, but that's neither here nor there. I digress. I want to get into on get on. I to, thought
0: you were going just to interrupt you real quick, Jack yeah. I
1: thought you were going with the pe- the famous uh, the infamous Patrick
0: Chung fake punt. Run oh. when he was the, the punt protector, and yes. I believe there was a certain look. and He had the ability to make that call. He's not, uh, that's not his job anymore. That's Nate Ebner when Nate Ebner's healthy. But, um, when, when Patrick Chung was running that position, he had the ability to call for, for the snap and to run it up there, and uh, it that didn't go against... so well for him one time.
1: What game was that? What year?
0: I want to say it was Jets. This was uh, this was uh, back during Chung's first tenure with the team, uh, so it was pretty early on. I want to say it wasn't was the playoff 2010? game, was it? Um. See, uh, this I, is the kind of thing that would be good research for me to do before the podcast. Yeah, it right? sure would. Wouldn't because it? <laughs> I, there's so much, you know, so much useless football well, knowledge sure up there. People right are now, going to, for me to
1: pull. Light us up on Twitter, right oh, or yeah. wrong. Please do. Please do. By the way, <laughs> means you're listening. So we need that. Okay, yeah. I want to get on to Adrian Peterson. Um, obviously, Bill. Belichick on Tuesday acknowledge the fact that, yes, we had Adrian Peterson in, respected him a lot, respect, obviously respects a great deal about what he has been able to accomplish in what I think is going to be a Hall of Fame career. Um, that is up for debate at some other time. But really, Adrian Peterson um, came to Foxborough, wound up, Bel- Patriots did not sign him. Uh, but what were your takeaways? And I want to get your thoughts on that death stare that AP gave Sean Payton Monday night. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine?
0: <laughs> yes, how that would go
1: over. That's in exactly New why if I asked that the question. Ever to happen. Yeah.
0: You know, listen, I think, you know, there's something to uh the way the Patriots have built this team and I hesitate to say, you know, they're going to they're going to stay away from big names because obviously it's not the case. They bring in guys like, you know, Corey Dillon, Randy Moss, guys have had a lot of success in this league at other places and then come here. But I think, you know, um, the culture that you're used to, the way, you know, you're used to doing things um, matters. Um, you know, and I think it's something that the Patriots look into and they really try to get a feel for um, when they do, whether it's work a guy out or they have a, you know, they, they have him come in, to meet with him during the free agency period, even during the draft, there's a lot that goes into how a player is going to fit with the team. And it's not just what's his physical skill set, what role is he got to play? And so, you know, I wonder if um, if they had any inklings of, you know, what kind of um, teammate, what kind of coachable player Peterson would be when they did meet with him. Um, because clearly the guy's a star. and He's been treated a certain way his entire career. Uh, really up until the last calendar year or so. And, he, you know, he's not brought back by the Vikings. Uh, the, the, the Saints bring him in clearly to be part of a committee, and it takes less than a full week into the season, and he's already, it seems like, rebelling against it. And I know what he said on Twitter, and, you know, hey, I was just telling Coach we needed to, you know, run it up the gut. Well, like, whose call is that? Like, <laughs> that is, right. not, you know, since when do you call the plays? You know, maybe that's how it worked in Minnesota. I don't know. But Sean Payton's been around quite a bit. Sean Payton's won the Super Bowl. Sean Payton is widely renowned as one of the best offensive minds in the game. And he's going to deal with you barking at him on the sidelines? You know, that, that you need to run it up the middle because, oh, by the way, that's my role on this team, coach. So, you know, basically put me in there, uh, give me the damn ball, You know, steal a line from Keyshawn Johnson. But um, I, I don't know how this is going to end because I don't think – I think Peterson's already unhappy with the workload he's got. I don't think it's going to get any better for him. I think Kamara – uh, played the most snaps of all three of their running backs the other night. And the way the league is going, you know, quote-unquote big backs, the LeGarrette Blunts of the world, the Adrian Petersons of the world. You know, Peterson was obviously an incredibly talented guy in his prime, but he's not that guy anymore. And, and those kinds of backs are becoming less and less around the league. It's almost—it's like the linebacker position on the other side. I mean, you know, Kyle Van Noy, the one true linebacker for the Patriots for much of that game Thursday night. You know the, the branded spikes role is is gone. You know David Harris played two snaps. Uh, you know those guys are getting less and less run, and it seems like Adrian Peterson doesn't really understand that. And uh, I'm not sure if he continues to to get healthy
1: in New Orleans. Uh, how long that relationship is is going to last? Well, I I think you know I think the Patriots and, and Belichick knew full well. Forget the attitude. I think the need. For AP to get the ball 25, 26, 27 times a game is counterintuitive to the way the Patriots run their offense. And exactly, and I think that is probably the fundamental issue Belichick wanted to avoid. And I'm yeah, sh-
0: and listen, they'll, they'll still have games tracks right where Mike Gillislee, who you know who is basically the big back now in New England, like I'm sure they'll have games like with Garrett Wunted where. Right, yeah, he'll get 20 touches, but it's not going to be every week. And if you're going to deal with a guy bitching and moaning every week because he's not getting 20 touches, I
1: I don't know, you know, like how how much value there is in that player. Okay, I want to finish up with a couple of fun questions for you, Phil. And I think I These can. These have ha- all been fun questions, Greg. They've all been fun. I'm having a blast. Like, you don't have to, you know. I pre- don't don't prop up. I don't have to qualify putting okay. down the other ones. I won't qualify <laughs> my questions any further. I am going to ask you straight up: What makes a good question to ask Bill Belichick? Oh boy! I mean,
0: your guess is as good as mine, man. I, you know, we're we're both on there on every conference call. I mean, we've been in countless press conferences together. Um, you know, I think some of the some of the some of the qualities of what Bill Belichick thinks is a good question are pretty obvious. Um, anytime you can bring up the giants of the uh, late eighties, mid to late eighties right, uh, and early nineties, I think that that'll get a good answer. Um, you know, really any, any kind of coaching point question where you're not putting a player on the spot. Um, you know, you're not, you may not even mention a team or, you know, um, a specific, Coach or a scheme, but you know I I always think the the how does this work kind of questions um, go over well with him because at his core he's really he's a teacher both his parents are teachers you know for him coaching is teaching um, and so I think he does you know as much as he kills us from time to time and he's um, he's killed both of us yeah. um, <laughs> you know for questions we've asked but. You know, I think he does get a kick out of explaining things to us, in, you know, especially on topics that maybe don't get touched on all that often. So, you know, I think I asked someone recently that that resulted in a really long answer. Yes, well, I was going to bring that up, um, Phil. Honestly, the Yeah, quarterback, quarterback mechanics, I think, was one. That, you know, it's really kind of random which ones he... He decides to dig his teeth into. The but question he can avoid, like specific mentions of a player or specific, like, "What are you going to do this week?"
1: You know, usually those go over better than none. So, Everson Walls, that was the question you asked. <laughs> right. At uh, I think it was the first or second week of preseason, and your question, I'm going to obviously paraphrase here, was, "Do you have to balance technique, teach coaching technique?" Versus coaching a player within that particular player's comfort zone and how they play. His answer to your question was seven and a half minutes long, and it was nine hundred and forty-eight words, something like that. It was it was brilliant, Bill Belichick, and I think you know, and I got so much response on Twitter, and I'm sure obviously you did too, about that's the beauty of Belichick because he brings you inside the way he coaches. Right. And, and yeah, you're right. So that's a great
0: example of, you know, the way his brain works too, because it's not, um, you know, okay, here's a box with all my quarterback thoughts over here. And here's a box with all my, uh, my defensive thoughts, my defensive game plans over here. You know, you ask him about, uh, you know, it's really a, a, a general coaching question. It's like, you know, how much do you, you know, how much do you allow players to kind of have their own style when you want them to do things a certain way at the same time, you know, it's, it's sort of a philosophical question. And so I asked him about quarterback specifically, because at the time I was trying to get some insight on how the team felt about Jacoby Brissett, whose accuracy was all over the place at the time. Wanted to know if, you know, I wanted to follow up on that question. It was, I think Stacy James, the, um, the, the, the PR czar uh, for the Patriots, uh, said last question. I was hoping that it would be a quick answer and I could follow up on percent specifically, but the answer went so long, <laughs> the, the, the call was over, I couldn't follow <laughs> up. And he's talking about cornerbacks by the end of the thing and Everson Walls and the Giants. And, you know, we, Walls did it his own way. We taught it a certain way, techniques a certain way. He really did things one way and it was his way. And I told him, as long as it works, hey, that's fine by me. Um, and it is interesting. So it is interesting to hear. Um, how he approaches certain things, and it is, it's rubbed off on some of um, you know the people who have come through his system. I remember talking to Wes Welker before the season for an event here in Boston, and he's a very low level coach for the Houston Texans right now, but he's working with the receivers and he's working with the punt returners. And his approach with the punt returners is, okay, uh, let's talk about you know what you saw in this return, and uh, you know a player may come back to him and say. Well, you know what, Wes? I, I actually I feel more comfortable doing it this way, and I like you know setting up my return like this. And Hooker's answer was great, uh, you know, and not at all um, indicative of like a, a hardened, you know, old school kind of football coach, which he's not. And he said, "Okay, well, you know, player X, is that going to result in a big play for us?" And the player said, "I mean, I, I think so. I hope so." He says, "Okay, then do that.
1: <laughs> like
0: it's not that it's not that hard. We want guys to be comfortable and to make plays." And so there is room, you know, no matter how stuffy you may seem as a coach, there is room to allow those guys to do that, like I said, as long as it works. If it's not working, then you're going to see some changes.
1: So my rule of thumb, and we'll wrap it up, Phil, Uh, Phil Perry of CSNE. (laughs) <laughs> C-S-N-N-E dot com, as soon to be NBC Sports Boston. Here is what Bill Belichick once told a reporter, and not me. Believe it or not, I covered Bill Belichick way back in the Cleveland Browns days uh, when I was there in, in uh, Canton, Ohio in 92 and 93. And he once told a reporter... Did you watch the game? After a game, after a post-game press conference, for whatever reason, Phil, those words have always stuck with me with regard to asking Bill Belichick any question, and it is comes down to a simple point of fact. Did you watch the game? And if you show Bill that you watched the game and you see and you see hear this all the time, Phil, when you hear him or when when he hears you ask a question that shows that you watched a particular detail of the game, his face will light up, and he will almost certainly always give you some type of coherent, intelligent, uh, insightful remark. Now, granted, immediately after a game, it won't be in-depth, but the day after, he gives you the best answers with regard to that. And to me, that's the key to Bill Belichick. Yep. I'm with you. I'm with you. He, he appreciates,
0: uh, the attention to detail. He also, I think just appreciates the, um, the effort and consistency. Like, you know, you're there, you know, so often I'm there often, you know, there's a, there's a core group of people and he re- he's referred to us by different nicknames over the, over the years. But I think he, um, is much more likely to answer even a bad question from that group than maybe a good and a pointed question from from a new reporter just because he he is more comfortable um, when he sees you there every day and I think he respects the fact you know for the people that are there every day or on every conference call he respects the fact that you continue to show up and that you continue to participate you can't just be sitting there either if you're asking questions day after day and it shows that you're trying and it shows that you're you know you are doing the work um, before you come in I think he respects that too and and uh, I know I've had a lot of bad questions. You know, I've had a lot of bad they questions shot down, but I've had a lot of bad questions that have actually gotten pretty good answers, because I think he's,
1: he kind of knows what I'm getting at, and he and he tries to help you out in a certain way. Well, well and that's what I have always told people about this, and covering this team. It's not always about the question you ask, it's the answer you get. And the question could be terrible, it could be you know not the greatest wording, and God knows I ramble on and on and on sometimes, but... It's the answer that he will give you, or anybody, for that matter, in any sport that they give you that really matters. Phil, how can people follow you? I want you to include not only Twitter, but your CSN uh, shows, your podcasts, everything you do for CSN. What are the best ways for people to follow you?
0: Yeah, Treg, So So you know, Twitter, at Phil A. Perry. Instagram, same deal. Trying to keep the, uh, the Instagram stories updated with stuff from down at Gillette so you can follow me there. Um, we are on every single night during the football season at 6 o'clock. We have football-specific shows starting at 6, Monday through Sunday, basically. Um, you know, Essentially, we've got you covered seven days of the week. Uh, football Fix is a show that I will be on every single Friday night with Casey Smith, who co-hosts Boston Sports Tonight, and Mark DeBeetle Bertrand from 98.5 The Sports Hub. That show just started last week. We're talking fantasy. We talk gambling. We talk social media stuff. It's a very fun, um, you know, we try to make it funny uh, show that, we're you know, we're really having a lot of fun working on already this year. That's only going to get better. Um, We also have Quick Slants, which is every Tuesday. Uh, I'm on that with Tom Curran and Gerard Mayo and Devin McCourty, who will be there um, all season long. And then, of course, every night we have Boston Sports Tonight, which is 9 to midnight. Um, with more Tom Carton, where I get to continue to interact with my buddy, our Patriot Insider, uh, and we fight and we laugh and we have a great time there. And uh, early edition as well with uh, with Felger and Trenny and Gary Tangway. And so, listen, we've got just football on top of football on top of football here at Comcast all the way through the season. So for all of your, your football needs and wants, you come to Comcast and we've got you.
1: And nobody covers it better than Phil Perry. Stay with with CLNS all day. And I mean that, by the way. Stay with CLNS all day on game day, starting with the CLNS Media New England Patriots pregame show with Alex Barth a half hour before every game. Then you can catch the postgame show with Marvin Eason and Mike Mullineau live after every single game on CLNSmedia.com. That is when you're not... Paying attention to Phil Perry post game. Subscribe to both on iTunes and Stitcher and YouTube now. Also, get daily team updates on the Patriots Newsfeed podcast with Tyler Trudeau, which is also available on the CLNS Media New England Patriots post game show feed. Available once again on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and the CLNS Media mobile app. Thanks again for downloading today's Patriots beat want to once again thank our guest, Phil Perry from CSNNE.com, soon to be NBC Sports Boston. You can follow him on Twitter at Phil A. Perry. You can also give us a follow at Patriots underscore Beat and at CLNS Media. You can give my own personal account a follow, of course, at TRAGS, T-R-A-G-S. Today's sponsor was FanDuel for Patriots content manager Mike Alonghi, CLNS media executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of the network Nick Gelso. Thanks to everyone who tuned in. This is Mike Petralia and this is the Patriots Speed Podcast powered by CLNS Media. What's going on, Past Nation? This is Marvin Zahn of the CLNS Media Network, and I'm here to tell you right now to check out the CLNS Media New England Patriots postgame show hosted by myself and my co host mr mike nice and live on clns radio immediately after every single pass game calling at 929-477-2386 toll free to get your voice heard and contribute to the host breakdown and analysis of the latest patriots contest we also got the stars and sorries of the day twitter posts for the plays of the game and everything else that is going on with the five-time super bowl champion